This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is Mike here, your co-host, and on this episode, I'm flying solo talking with Deirdre DeWeese. Deirdre is the VP of Philanthropy of the Girl Scouts of Ohio's Heartland, and on this episode, I talk with Deirdre about her journey and the new Dream Big campaign to build a new STEM leadership center and makerspace. Early on, we talk about Deirdre's experience as a fundraiser prior to joining the Girl Scouts and the challenges related to fundraising. I think the stat is that people are more scared to ask for money than they are of death, which is interesting. You know, if you don't ask, you don't know. And people want to invest in their community. They want to make good things happen. And so you need to be having those conversations. You need to be talking about what change do you see happening in your community and how do you want to be involved with that? How do you want to leave a legacy? All of those things are important. People want to do that. Mm -hmm. It's just having the conversations. I don't consider myself a fundraiser. I consider myself a connector. And having those conversations, they're excited to be involved in these projects. Later, we talk about the initiative to drive more girls into STEM careers and how the idea for the Dream Big campaign for a new STEM leadership center and makerspace came to be. So the Dream Big initiative is really focused on fueling the workforce of the future, making sure that girls are thinking about career pathways that they may not have thought of before and really sparking their interest and their curiosity so they can really think about things a little bit differently. We need teachers. We need nurses. We need all those things. But we also need pilots and we need folks that are working on the engines of those. And why are girls not thinking about those fields? And that's what Dream Big is truly about. We wrap up with some advice for everyone out there about how failure leads to success and the importance of being willing to fail. We love to tell our girls, don't be afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. Failing is the first attempt in learning. Mm -hmm. So much success has happened through failures. So much science success has happened through lots and lots of trial and error and failures. And so don't be afraid to take that leap of faith and fail. I had a great time talking with Deirdre, and I hope you enjoy the interview as well. That's all for me. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is your co-host, Mike, here flying solo today as Josh is in New York City. He's enjoying the big city, the big apple here, but that means I get to lead the show. So prepare for a lot of nonsense. But today on the show, we're joined by Deirdre DeWeese, and she is the vice president of philanthropy for the Girl Scouts of Ohio's Heartland. And if you're followers of the show, you might remember we had Tammy Wharton on the show previously from the Girl Scouts as well. Deirdre has worked in fundraising and development across a variety of organizations throughout her career. And today she leads the strategic fundraising plans for the Girl Scouts of Ohio's Heartland. We're going to be talking with Deirdre about her career, the Girl Scouts, and the Dream Big campaign for a new STEM leadership center and makerspace that Deirdre and her team have been spearheading development on. So really excited to learn a lot more about that. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Deirdre. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I'm glad that I could uh, ease your mind with all the times I messed up that intro. Nobody's going to know about it, though. That's right. So, you know, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, I really was fumbling over my words today, but we won't include that. So you don't have to listen to it. But how's your day going? It's going great. It's been a whirlwind the last couple of weeks, but all great. Really exciting things that are happening over at the Girl Scouts and the community. So thrilled to be here today. Before we dive into everything, obviously we want to talk about the STEM Center and the Dream Big campaign and all of those items. But what's a typical day look like for you now? You know, you mentioned you guys have been busy. I would say that no day is 
completely the same, which I love. I love the variety. So one day I'll be meeting with a donor and talking to a Girl Scout alum about what their favorite memory was about Girl Scouts. Um, Another day I'll be writing a grant for a foundation for a service that we're doing at Girl Scouts. And another day I'll be talking to a corporate donor about the impact that they have had because of the gift that they've made. But my favorite part is always when I'm able to get out and see the girls in action. So when I first started at Girl Scouts, I've been there for almost six years It was my very first week on the job. I met a girl. Her name was Sophia. She was a freshman in high school, and she was doing a presentation for us, so I was interviewing her ahead of time, and she was incredible. She said, I'm going to have my pilot license before I have my driver's license. She's like, I am trying to develop a shoe that I can make out of recycled water bottles and then send over to Africa because I know that there's a need down in Africa. So I'm trying to develop a shoe out of recycled goods to be able to provide a community impact. And that's what our girls are doing. They're creating these sustainable impacts in the community. And I'm always in awe of seeing the girls in action. That day I went home and told my daughter who was the same age, I was like, oh my gosh, you have to hear about this amazing thing that this girl was doing. And you know, my daughter says, well, I just wanted to know what was for dinner. But again, no day's the same. Love seeing the girls in action, but we couldn't do it without the contributed revenue. So really working with all of those donors across all those sectors. Yeah, it sounds like a lot going on. Starting back from the beginning, I guess, have you always lived in Ohio or, you know, is this a uh, secondary home for you? So I grew up in Clintonville, right across from Studio 35, if you're from around here. So did lots of walks in the Walla Halla Ravine. Are you from Columbus? I grew up in San Diego, but I've lived here for 10 years, so. Okay, so yep, walked those Walla Halla Ravines, grew up, went to high school at Fort Hayes, and then in the summers, I spent my summers at Olympic Swimming Pool, which sadly no longer exists. Hmm. Okay. So you've always been in Columbus and were you in the Girl Scouts growing up then? I was not. My mom was a single mom. She went to college when I was in middle school. And so she was working and trying to go to school. And so I didn't do a lot of extracurricular activities. I would have loved it, yeah, but didn't have that opportunity. So I was a wannabe Girl Scout. Okay. So we'll get into how you got involved with the Girl Scouts eventually, but I'm curious How did you end up getting into fundraising and development? Yeah. So I went to Capital University and my major was public relations. And on that journey, two things happened. I had a class and we had a CEO at a public relations firm. He came and he presented to us and... I'll never forget, he presented and he said, I want you to look to your left and look to your right. And I want you to tell me, are you dressed better than the person sitting next to you? Do you have better grades? Are you smarter than them? And if not, then you need to really hone in because it is competitive against each other. So if you know me, I'm a person that wants to hold hands and make things happen together because I want to work collaboratively and have an impact. I like to be a little bit competitive, but I don't want to be competitive against each other in a team. So I knew, all right, PR agency is probably out for me. The second thing is I took a class and we were in charge of a program called Skyline Columbus. It was a public show that was on one of the public broadcast systems. And each of the students had a role and mine was the executive producer. And so I was in charge of creating the content for the show. With that, I decided I wanted to work with local nonprofits because I know they don't have a lot of 
marketing budget as the big corporations do to be able to share their story and tell their impact. And so I went out and I talked to eight to 10 nonprofits in the community and learned what they were doing. And I knew I wanted to be part of that after that. They're doing amazing things in this community. You know, Mm -hmm. they're serving the hungry. They're changing our youth trajectory. They're changing the healthcare system, which is important, mental health, all of those things. Think about during COVID, so many things were shut down and the nonprofits were still at work. They were still working to make sure that our community was being served. And one of those rarities, not many people know they want to be in the nonprofit sector and they just kind of fall into it. Kind of always knew I wanted to be in it since college. I did an internship at Columbus Speech and Hearing Center when I was a senior in college and then got a job there and then started from there. You kind of felt drawn to this space. Some people probably, when they hear fundraising and philanthropy, people think of really wealthy people going around and donating their money places. But what does it really mean to fundraise? What does that job look like? Yeah, fundraising's hard. It can be scary. I think the stat is that people are more scared to ask for money than they are of death. Which is interesting. You know, if you don't ask, you don't know. And people want to invest in their community. They want to make good things happen. And so you need to be having those conversations. You need to be talking about what change do you see happening in your community? And how do you want to be involved with that? How do you want to leave a legacy? All those things are important. People want to do that. Mm -hmm. It's just having the conversations. I don't consider myself a fundraiser. I consider myself a connector. And having those conversations, they're excited to be involved in these projects. So you worked in a variety of different roles in the fundraising and development space throughout your career. But how did you end up joining the Girl Scouts, especially for somebody who never actually was a Girl Scout? So I was working at Franklin Park Conservatory, and I always said my next job would be something that just kind of fell in my lap. I wasn't really looking. I love Franklin Park Conservatory. If you haven't been there, go see the Children's Garden. They have some great new spaces. A little plug for them because they do some great things. It's a great community asset. Do they also do the the lights, the Christmas lights in the winter? They do, and they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. They've Mm -hmm. grown that so much. I highly recommend it. Yeah. But I always said the next job, it's just going to fall in my lap. I'm not really looking. And so Girl Scouts reached out to me and said that a friend of mine, a dear friend, recommended that they reach out and that they thought that I would be a good fit for Girl Scouts. And I was like, well, this person recommended it. It's worth at least a conversation to explore what it could look like. So Tammy Wharton, who is our CEO, and I had coffee and It was the easiest conversation. Mm -hmm. We just kind of knew that we would work together. Mm -hmm. I've always knew I wanted to be working within a sector that supports our youth and investing in our future. And Girl Scouts' mission is to build girls of courage, confidence, and character who make the world a better place. Talk about impact and the need around that, especially in today's world. It just kind of all fit together. Yeah. I imagine Tammy would be tough to say no to, too. She is very persuasive. Yeah. <laughs> from, from the time I met her, I spent about a couple hours with her. And I'm like, she would be tough to say no to. So. She's a tough one. But so you make that decision to jump on board. What are the early days like? And <laughs> what I want to know is there's what you expect. And then there's what the job actually is. And so what was the major surprises for you? What was different from so, what you expected? Yeah. So crazy. So I started in 2016 in August and they were working on a national convention. So GSUSA does a national convention that happens every three years and you can bid on it to have it come to your city. And we bid on it and we were selected as the city to have this national convention at. It's a big deal. It's a $17 million 
economic impact that we have on our community. Girl Scouts and volunteers are coming from across the nation to learn about Girl Scouts. There's programming around it and across the world. It's not just within our nation. So we have Girl Scouts from across the nation coming in for this conference. We painted the town green. So it happened in October of 2017. So the Levesque Tower was lit up green. Nationwide Boulevard was Girl Scout Way. We had community partners joining in to help welcome folks from across the nation and they helped lead breakout sessions. So it was a huge, huge initiative. It was a lot of work leading up to it. We had some large supporters that helped make it a reality. So stepping in in 2016 and making sure we have the support, the investment behind it to make it happen because it is a big conference and it costs a lot of money to make happen as well. So the investment behind it, but also again, making sure we have leaders that are leading really, really dynamic breakout sessions, really powerful breakout sessions. So that was 2017. And then we go into this next project that we're going to talk about. Yeah. And I think it's a good place to start talking about it. So we mentioned it before, but let's start by describing what the Dream Big initiative is and what it's focused on. So the Dream Big initiative is really focused on fueling the workforce of the future, making sure that girls are thinking about career pathways that they may not have thought of before and really sparking their interest and their curiosity so they can really think about things a little bit differently. We need teachers. We need nurses. We need all those things. But we also need pilots and we need folks that are working on the engines of those. And why are girls not thinking about those fields? And that's what Dream Big is truly about. Yeah. So the Dream Big initiative, right, it encompasses a lot more than just this one particular project, which we're going to spend a lot of time talking about. It's more of a mission and a goal and something to strive for. It's about fueling the workforce of the future today and into the future. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I could not be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. So as part of that initiative, right, now we come to the STEM Leadership Center and Makerspace, which is a mouthful, but I'm going to get it right every time from here on out. So the STEM Leadership Center and Makerspace is a new facility you guys are working on building, and currently your team is spearheading the process of developing and funding that project, right? Correct. And today you guys have raised $9.45 million of the $16 million goal for that project, which is quite a success. But It's a big deal. But we're still... 7 million to go. So first off, where has a lot of that money come from up to this point? And how are you working to fill that gap? So can I take a step back yeah, and kind of talk to you about, about what... how this all began? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So after 2017, we have this big national convention, right? It was huge. Most people didn't think about Girl Scouts prior to that. You know, Girl Scouts hasn't always been a culture of philanthropy. We kind of just continue to do what we do. We have troops. You know that Girl Scouts sell their cookies, but we haven't lived in that you know, environment that we can also fuel the pipeline and we can be that workforce development leader. And so all those pieces and parts. In 2018, our national CEO at the time, Sylvia Acevedo, she was a true rocket scientist. Incredible. She was the first. A real, like actually, actually a rocket scientist? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Amazing. I I was like, I had to clarify because she was true. I'm like, wait, so seriously? Yes. So where did she work on rocket science at? 
at NASA. At NASA? Holy yes. cats. So, okay. so she she's got, smart. We yeah, got it. So she was the first Latina to get her master's degree in system engineering at Stanford University. So again, very smart. She was leading Girl Scouts at the time. And in 2018, she made a pledge to put 2.5 million girls in the STEM pipeline by 2025. She did that for multiple reasons, right? A, she knows that 70%, it's 69, but you might as well round up, 70% of all jobs need STEM competency. You don't have to be a scientist. You don't have to be an engineer, but you need to have a good understanding of science, technology, engineering, and math. 70% of all jobs in our nation have to have STEM competency. The second is that in this nation, we have a STEM crisis. There are thousands and thousands of jobs in the STEM field that are going unfulfilled because we don't have the talent pipeline to fill those jobs. And the third reason is the stats of women in these fields. So if you look at STEM as a whole, 28% of women in the STEM field, Mm -hmm. if you look at leadership, Mm -hmm. that drops drastically down to 18%. 12% of computer science degrees are earned by women. 7% are in aviation. We make up 50, depending on the stat you look up, women make up 50% to 52% of the workforce, depending on the time. Mm -hmm. That's a big problem. Mm -hmm. Why are girls not going into these fields? And how can we become part of the solution to teach girls early and often that they can be in these fields? And I'll tell you part of the reason why. Sorry, and I'm jumping. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's a lot of conversations in Columbus and across the nation of how we can make change in this space because they recognize that there's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. So there's lots of money being thrown at community colleges and at colleges and at high schools. Amazing. Yes and yes. But girls' STEM identity is formed by the third grade. Mm -hmm. Their self-confidence peaks by the age of nine. So if you aren't hitting them early and often and telling them that they are good at these things and that it can be fun and that they can be in the STEM field at that seven, eight, nine, and those formative years, they've already opted out by high school. I have a sophomore in high school. She's already developed what her career pathway is. So if you start talking to her as a junior, we've missed the boat. She sounds much more well ahead of where she wants to be than I was in high school. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, now in high school, it's crazy. You can do all these, you know, dual credits and you can take AP classes. And so many students are now graduating and having a year or two of college already under their belt. So kids are starting to think earlier and earlier about what those career pathways can be. Mm -hmm. It also seems like a difficult problem to solve because you need to have early access and influence and what you're exposed to. As a kid, I remember I was big on dinosaurs as a very small child. What was your favorite? Uh, I don't even remember. Probably a velociraptor, which by the way, velociraptors are only like this big. They're, I mean, nobody can see what I'm doing, but they're, right. they're you like, know, yay big. like a medium-sized dog. Right. Right. Like they weren't as big as, and they had feathers. Never mind. I'm getting distracted. You got me on dinosaurs now, <laughs> but I had, I mean, I had a book that was like ABCs for a kid that was A is for Archaeopteryx, right? Like as a boy, you're encouraged to be interested in stuff like that as dinosaurs right. and science and all kinds of stuff, right? Fighter pilot, right? Like that is like the ultimate. My dad was a fighter pilot, actually. So you're exposed to all those things. So if you're not exposed to that, if you're not shown that that's an option, what are you dreaming of, right? What are you dreaming of being? And I think that's so important. So it definitely seems like a big problem and a big challenge. So how does... If you can't uh, see it, you can't believe it. Right. And that kind of brings us to the Leadership Center, which we talked about earlier. So what is the goal and what is the STEM Leadership Center and Makerspace going to do to change that? So I'm backing up 
Okay, back again. it up again. I'm back in yellow. I keep again. going. I keep going to that keep question. Going and I keep, keep going. Going okay, back. okay, okay. That's so, fine. Okay, so STEM pledge happened, right? Uh-huh. At that same time, Tammy took a trip down to Dallas, 2018, mm-hmm. same time. She took a trip down to Dallas. In Dallas, Texas, they had just reimagined their camp. They have 92 acres and they created a STEM camp. Mm-hmm. And so what that meant for them was every program that they did tied back somehow to STEM. And so right. they had a high ropes course. They learned the physics behind it. They have a pool. They did underwater robotics in it. They had a music garden. They learned the science behind sound around it. So everything they did tied back to science in some way, that STEM area. So Tammy came back from that and was like, so we have a camp that's 220 acres. It's literally 15 minutes from right here where we sit, downtown Columbus, just one exit past Hilliard, Rome. So really, really accessible to many of our girls and our youth in the community. So she came back thinking, we could do something like this and we could change our workforce here in Columbus. So she formed a group of some leaders and some board members and started having conversations. And her thought was at the time, well, Dallas has the specs. We know what the cost is. We can literally just rebuild that building on our campus, right? And the leader said, well, we can't do that. The weather is not the same, but also the workforce isn't the same. So we need to be talking about what the needs here are in Columbus. So At that point, we started having really, really important conversations with our leaders of Columbus. What are your needs? What challenges are you seeing in your workforce now? What challenges are you seeing in the future? What are you doing to help make that change happen? And then how can we be part of the solution? Because we know that we need to get to girls early and often to help spark their interest in that. So that's how kind of the Dream Big initiative came about. It came about because of those really important conversations that our leaders right here in Columbus helped drive. Mm -hmm. So the STEM Center down in Dallas, again, they have science and tech labs. They have some really cool programs. They have some astronomy programs. When we started having those conversations, were like, yes, yes, but there's also a lot of in-demand jobs. Mm -hmm. So if you talk to like Southwestern City Schools, Amy Sakat really talks about like, what's your plan for your students? And college doesn't have to be The option. I also have a sophomore in college, and I can tell you the cost of college is astronomical right now. And it's terrifying to look at what that price tag is. It used to be we have to go to get a four-year degree. Mm -hmm. No, you can make a really good living in a trade. And so few women are in those trades. I'm going to give you a few more stats. Okay. And I'm looking at my paper because I want to make sure I get them right for you. 23% of women are in automotive. 9% are in construction, 6% of women are in welding, and 3% of women are in carpentry. Those are big fields. Mm -hmm. Talk about in-demand jobs, and we know that so many of those fields are now retiring, and we need to figure out how we're going to fuel that pipeline. And if we're not talking to girls who also long-term are 50% of our workforce, we're missing a big conversation. So that's what the Dream Big initiative is. Mm -hmm. We will have science labs and we'll have tech labs, but we'll also have makerspace that's teaching girls about in-demand jobs. And what I love about it is that it's flexible space because we know that the in-demand jobs is going to change. We know that those are needs right now, but it might not be those needs in 10 years. And so we're trying to make them as flexible as we can so we can meet the needs now and then into the future as well and meeting those in-demand jobs. Yeah. I mean, trade jobs like that are so, well, I guess, you know, when I was a kid, we had no child left behind and all these things. There's a lot of pressure 
to go to college. It was just what you do, yeah. right? If you were a kid in my generation, so for those of you out there, I'm 29, so millennials, just on the end of the millennial train. Such a young end. I know. I'm on the very young end <laughs> of the millennial train. It was all about going to college and you got to go to college. If you don't go to college, you're not going to get a good job. If you don't go to college, your whole life's going to fall apart. It was like just a massive amount of pressure right. to go to college. And I think we're starting to see that that's not the only path. But It's not the only path. You can go to do an apprenticeship. There's so many companies that you can do an apprenticeship with. They pay for your schooling and you can make six figures walking out in two mm-hmm. to four years. Then you don't have the college debt. Right. And another good example is sales, right? Like sales is a career that typically like, yeah, if you want to sell a very advanced technical product, you probably got to go to school, but there are tons of sales jobs that you can get and make six figures right? and never go to college. Exactly. So in my generation, it was almost like looked down upon to not go to college, right? Where there was like, oh, you didn't go to college. You didn't apply anywhere. What's what's wrong with you? Right. You know, and, and I think we have to really get away from that. So like I said, Amy said it great. It needs to be what's your long term plan. Mm-hmm. Don't go to college just to go to college to say you got the degree. Right. It's what's your long term goals. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies companies. It grows a highly adaptive workforce and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. Going back to the new Leadership Center, we know what it's about. We know that you're close on the funding, but... We're getting there. How do we get to 16? Yeah, you mentioned it earlier. So we're at Mm 9.5. So exciting which is 60% of the overall $16 million goal. I first want to say we could not be where we are today without some amazing leadership and support that we've had. We have some great honorary champion co-chairs. Lou Vaughn there, who's the president and CEO of Battelle, is mm-hmm. a co-chair. Yvette, We've had Lou on the show. Yep. He's fabulous. Yvette McGee-Brown, a partner at Jones Day, is a co-chair. And then we have Lori Gillette, who is the CEO of Cornica Cozine, mm-hmm. talking about construction and needing more women in the field. We wanted to make sure that we had somebody who was a co-chair that was in one of those in-demand areas so a girl can see that there's a woman in that field. And then we also have a champion committee. It's an amazing group of leaders that are mm-hmm. in this community. Kathy Sullivan, the first American woman to walk on the moon. Dr. Christina Johnson, who is the president of The Ohio State University. Cameron Mitchell came on early because as part of this project, we're also going to renovate our environmental center and have a commercial kitchen. And he's like, All about it. All about it. Excited that, again, we can teach girls these skills. There's a lot of science in food, right? Mm -hmm. Measurements and all of the things. So he was on board early and many, many others. Um, That champion committee, they have been advocating for this since we started. They have helped get us to where we are in this Mm -hmm. $9.5 million. Battelle has 
made a lead gift of $3 million. It's the largest gift that Girl Scouts of Ohio's Heartland has ever received. Mm-hmm. Again, we couldn't be there without them. Yeah. Right after that, AEP jumped on board. AEP has been a great sponsor, has been a great partner for us in STEM for years. They know they want to also reach more women and get more women into their fields. And so they jumped on really early and have been a great partner. Nationwide jumped on at one and a half million. So they've been our core, but we also have lots and lots of others that like mm-hmm. we couldn't be here without them, right? Worthington Industries is on and so many others. I just want to make sure that like we couldn't be there without them. And then also our board, right? Because yep. this is a big vision. It's scary. Yeah. We haven't done a capital campaign like this in Girl Scouts of Ohio's Heartland history. You're kind of jumping into the unknown, right? So our board had to trust the vision and had to trust all of the things and take a big leap of faith to get us to where we are. Mm-hmm. Sorry, because no, <laughs> I sidetracked, but your question was, and where do we get to next? It is continuing to have the deep conversations. You know, we need to make sure that we get this funded. We have over 5 million out and asks. We are hoping to get some state capital funding, which would help tremendously. We'll also be asking the city and county to get behind it as well. So the goal is to have a nice mix of public and private sector coming together to make this space a reality. Because it's not just the girls, right? Because there's so many times that we can be utilizing this camp while girls are in school. Mm-hmm. So we can serve the community. We can serve youth. We can have field trips out there that's serving boys and girls in that space. We can bring community members out there. We can have community festivals out there. We can have corporations out there. So it becomes a community resource mm-hmm. and a community gym. It's for girls to provide them programming but it's also for our youth and our mm-hmm. community as a whole. And to get us to the 16 million, it's going to take a lot of dollars to help mm-hmm. finish it. I know that last couple millions the hardest to raise, and hopefully we can close it out by spring so we can make this facility a reality. It sounds like mostly corporate and then a little bit of public funding, but and individuals. I, I, gonna, I don't want to say uh, that's what right? I was going to ask because there's a mix. You know, like individuals are an important component mm-hmm. to this, and yes, we have a lot of companies that have gotten behind it because they see that workforce talent pool mm-hmm. being so important. But also, individuals are also giving to this and supporting this initiative as well. Yeah, if people are out there listening and they want to help and support that, where should they go? So we have a website, www.goshdreambig.org. It's got all the information you need on there. There's a great video that shows a little bit more about the building and the impact that it's going to have. It has some FAQs out there and you can donate there as well. Fantastic. When are you hoping to have that done? You said you were hoping to have it done by spring. And then when are you hoping to have the whole thing built and actually up and running? So it's going to go a little bit in stages. And part of Dream Big is, so we talked about the STEM center. It will have science labs and tech labs. We're also going to renovate our environmental center that we have. We'll be adding a greenhouse and so girls can learn about growing up instead of out. So if you're in an urban setting, you can learn about gardening and what you can do in that urban setting to grow. But it's also some renovations to camp. And so it's marrying kind of what Girl Scouts has been. And that's really important. This camp has been around for 90 plus years. Mm -hmm. We have some cabins that really need some extra love, right? We'll have one cabin that's completely ADA compliant. It's grandfathered right now. It doesn't have the ramps and the sizes that we really truly need to make it truly ADA. So we'll make sure that gets done. We're making sure that our Ferguson dining hall is getting some renovations. So it's really some usable space that our girls and our volunteers can use as well. So I share that because that's all part of the 
timeline of mm-hmm. that. We plan on starting the renovations to the environmental center, hopefully in November timeframe of this year. Mm-hmm. We hope to close out the campaign and have raised the $16 million needed by spring of 23. Mm-hmm. And then we'll break ground right around that time. So okay. spring of 23, we hope to break ground on the STEM Center of Excellence. I think from what we're hearing, it's probably going to be about 18 months worth of construction. So we anticipate that we'll be able to be up and running and doing programs for our girls and our youth in the community in 2025. Fantastic. What do you think the biggest challenge is going to be other than actually raising the funds? Raising the funds is hard, but that's actually not what I think keeps us up at night. I think what keeps us up at night is the access. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that this is a resource and available to again, all girls and our youth, how do we make sure that they get out there and can utilize the space? So we did, as we built out the budget, we put a million dollars in an access fund to Mm -hmm. make sure that we can help with transportation and getting them out there and providing programming for those girls in the community. Because we, again, we want to make sure all girls have this and that it's accessible across our community. Yeah. Deirdre, I think that's a good place to kind of head towards some of our last questions of the show. So uh, first one being, do you have any advice for our listeners? And our listeners out there are a lot of uh, young professionals, entrepreneurs, folks in uh, mainly, again, I know somebody's going to give me the angry comment when I say mainly in the mid 20s to you know late 30s range. But we got a lot of folks out there that are in that range, but they're curious about Columbus. They want to know what's going on. They want to see how people got to where they are. So any advice for them? Yeah. As a young woman that's just starting their career, don't be afraid to own the experience that you've had and to take a leap of faith. There's stats that women, if you can't check every box, you know, like if there's a job description and if I can't check every box, you're not going to apply. The stat for men is if they check at least four or five They're like, sure, we can do this job. I'm going to apply. I'm guilty of that, right? Like, I think when I got the information from Girl Scouts, I was like, well, I don't have this thing. That one thing. I don't have that one thing. thing. And it held me back. They're they're guidelines, not actual requirements. They're they're guidelines. But it held me back from Mm -hmm. applying. Don't be afraid to take that leap of faith and own. Own what you've done. Own your experiences and be really, really proud of that. Yeah. And I think so as someone who does a lot of interviewing folks, what I would tell people to add on to that, because I think it's great advice. What I would tell people to add on to that is if you don't meet one of those requirements that they put or one of those things that's like must haves or one of those things, apply anyways. And if you get in there, tell them why you don't need it. Right. Right. Or how are you going to fix that? Or tell them like, look, this is why I think I can do this job. And not don't let those must haves on the sheet and keep you, you from applying. If you don't get the call. You don't get the call. What's the worst thing that happens? You don't get the call, yeah. right? We love to tell our girls, don't be afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. Failing is the first attempt in learning. Mm -hmm. So much success has happened through failures. So much science success has happened through lots and lots of trial and error and failures. And so don't be afraid to take that leap of faith and fail. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Deirdre, the last question of the show is centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase for our show, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? I think I actually just said that. I think live uncomfortably is taking that leap of faith. And again, not being afraid to fail, that first attempt in learning, it's so important. And I think specifically for girls, we're scared to fail. Like we want to be successful. And so it's really important, especially for girls, because they're scared of that failure, is to provide them a safe space 
that they can do that. And that's, I think, part of the magic and why I love working at Girl Scouts is because we do provide that safe space because you're with other girls and with an adult mentor that's caring for you and along the way, every step of the way. So they can fail in that safe space and continue to learn and thrive throughout. You have to live uncomfortably, right? Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely that's how so. you succeed. Absolutely. Deirdre, thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's been great having you. I said us, it's just me, but just you. You know. By the way, you get all the cookies. I got you get all, all the, cookies. the gifts. Yeah, that's right. Josh didn't join us. That's right. Josh will be upset when he listens to this one <laughs> later. But if you're out there listening, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate your attention. If you want to help support the Girl Scouts and the Dream Big Initiative, go to www.gsoh, so Girl Scouts Ohio, dreambig.org. That's right, dreambig.org. And again, if you enjoyed this interview, you want to hear more just like it, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, whatever podcast app you are listening on. You will get interviews just like this every week from us. And if you've got any suggestions for us, leave a comment or shoot us a message. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for dreaming big with us. 